They say time is a thief, and that is for sure. Like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. I'm sorry about that. I just couldn't help it. But seriously, you just can't stop time. Or can you? Is it possible to turn back the hands of time just enough to give yourself a nice boost of confidence? Today's guest says, yes, you can. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. She's a board-certified dermatologist and a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology. With extensive cosmetic training and a specialty in non-invasive procedures, including laser rejuvenation and resurfacing, treatment of scars, melasma, rosacea, neurotoxins, and filler injections, microneedling, and so much more. She's a member of the team at the Boston Center for Facial Rejuvenation. Oh, and then there's this. She's a mother of four. This Boston-based practice is comprised of the best of the best when it comes to surgical and non-surgical rejuvenation procedures. Find out more about this elite group of medical doctors and their support staff, bcffr.com. That's bcffr.com. Her name is Dr. Melissa Michaelon, and this is her story. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so you're a big believer in a conservative approach with your patients, and you use the word refresh. Tell us what that means. Overall, my aesthetic is for patients to have a natural improvement. So the conservative approach is what I typically do. I want patients to leave not looking different, but just more refreshed or better version of themselves. You know, I find sometimes, too, that women want like a whole totally new look. And I wonder if you're ever in a situation where you can say, that's probably not what you want. Yes. So we do encounter that sometimes. And you have to tell the patient that what they think that they're coming in for may not be the best for them aesthetically and learning how to sort of guide them and sometimes even saying no to a procedure. That must be hard sometimes, right? It can be difficult, yeah. I feel so fortunate, though, to have a doctor of your stature on the show. And thanks again for coming in. I'd love it if you could just take a minute for our audience and explain some of these non-invasive procedures that you specialize in. So let's run through just a couple of them. Laser rejuvenation. What exactly does a laser do for your skin? Lasers can do quite a bit, and there are a number of different lasers that we have available now, and they'll have specific targets that they'll work on. So we can treat brown spots, we can treat red spots in the skin, and then we also have other energy-based devices that can help improve the texture of the skin or the appearance of the skin overall, and that's more of the rejuvenating um, lasers. Microneedling can also do similar things. So lasers, probably for you as a dermatologist, have been groundbreaking. Yes, very much so. They're certainly valuable tools um, in, in my practice, and we can use them and tailor the treatments to whatever the patient may need. What is resurfacing? Give us a little guide to that. Resurfacing usually refers to using what's called an ablative laser, so it vaporizes the tissue. And it can be used to treat the entire surface of the skin, or we can use it in what's called a fractional way. So we're treating a portion of the skin, depending on you know, what we are hoping to treat, what the patient's downtime is like, for instance. So you know, we can really individualize treatment. 
when I first got started, I was describing that you can also treat certain skin ailments like rosacea and melasma. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of patients with rosacea and melasma. The rosacea, particularly with lasers, is the redness. You can only do so much with topicals and medicines. And so the lasers allow us to get even more improvement for the background redness. And melasma, in particular, can be quite stubborn. And so it usually takes a lot of different treatment modalities, including very, very strict sun protection, topical treatments, topical lightening agents, chemical peels. And then I don't use laser as much for the melasma because I feel like we can get improvement with other modalities. And then laser in some stubborn cases we do go to. What about scars? Scars can also be treated with laser and particularly the fractional ablative lasers can help remodel the scars and improve the appearance, whether they be post-surgical or traumatic scars even. Well, I'm guessing that scars are visual reminders, maybe of an illness Mm -hmm. or of an accident. And by removing a scar... Doctor, does that give the patient the sense of maybe moving on from a hard time? I think it can. If the patient can see it as a visual reminder of what they had gone through and making it a little less noticeable to themselves and to others because, you know, they may be self-conscious about it. I'm also thinking about somebody who's an adult now, but when they were a teenager, had a terrible time with acne. Mm -hmm. Do you come in contact with patients who come to you and say, you know what, I've been walking around with these scars on my face for too long? Talk to me about that. Yeah, definitely. I see a lot of patients with acne scarring. They've had the treatment for the acne, but then they're still left with those marks. And so they want to work on that. And laser can be a great way to help a lot of patients with that. Aging and facial changes. You know, you look in the mirror And here's the way I look at it. I I sometimes look in the mirror and I go, wait a minute, who's that? Is that my mother? So what kind of things do women say when they come in to see you? And they're in that period where their body is changing, their face is changing. How do you handle that? What kind of things do you say to them? By the way, you have beautiful skin. (laughs) Thank you so much. One thing that a lot of patients say is that they look tired. They may not be tired, but they look tired. And so you know, helping with that. But I think part of it is when they first come into my office is they're doing a full assessment. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just looking at one particular thing. You're looking at the whole face or the whole patient to try to come up with a plan for them that helps you achieve their goals for what they want their skin to look like. Well, you are part of an incredible practice here in Boston. I know you are surrounded by a team of world-renowned facial plastic surgeons, so it feels a little bit like this is care under one roof. How does the practice work? I think it's fairly unique to have plastic surgery and dermatology as well as estheticians in the practice. So I feel like we can be a full-service practice, and we collaborate with each other to provide the best care and the best outcomes for patients. You know, I'm imagining that maybe you see a woman as a dermatologist, and there's some non-invasive procedures that you would specialize in doing, but perhaps she comes back to you and she needs more, and then you're able to hook her into one of the plastic surgeons in your practice. Absolutely. Sometimes people come in and they think that a non-invasive approach is going to get them the results that they're hoping for, and you have to sit down and explain to them that, you know, I think a surgical approach would give you the results that I think you have in mind, and we're able to refer them right then. Your treatment style is rooted in an artistic sensibility. So I guess what I'd love to ask is, 
Do you look at your patients like an artist looks at a canvas? I guess in a way, you know, being a very visual person, I sort of see things like symmetry and balance and proportion. And so, you know, those are the things that, you know, will catch my eye and sort of help me uh, develop a treatment plan for a patient. Give our listeners your thoughts on best practices for taking care of your skin. I think the number one thing is protecting your skin from the sun, whether it be sunscreen, shade, avoiding the sun is the biggest way that you can take care of your skin. And then next being the products that you're using to help maintain the quality of skin. Let's talk a little bit about your education. Where did you go to college and medical school? Tell us a little bit about that. I went to Worcester Polytechnic Institute for undergrad. Initially, I was very interested in genetics and molecular biology and had some interest in chemical engineering. So I felt that WPI offered the best for both of those tracks. And then as I started in first and second year and got more exposure, like I really gravitated more towards biology and molecular biology and thought that I wanted to work in a lab and find, you know, cures for diseases. And then after undergrad, I did a little bit of graduate work and spent some time in a lab. And I realized that it was probably not the right fit for me. And I needed more of a personal interaction, I think. Wow, so. it's quite a journey, isn't it? Yeah. You know, my dad used to say that figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring out what you do want to do. So you graduate from WPI and you decide you want to go to medical school. Was there a moment when you were in that lab where you said, aha, I want to be a doctor? Did you have an aha moment or how did you follow that path? In terms of like medicine, I think that the interest that I always had in biology sort of like led me to medicine. And it's just I'm working on the other end of the disease. I'm actually treating the patients, which I've really enjoyed and found worthwhile. Talk to me about medical school. Hard? I think so. Not that I've been, but I've heard. Medical school was challenging. I think one um, challenge in particular was because I didn't know in undergrad that I wanted to go to medical school. I had to go back and take more classes so that I met the requirements to apply to medical school and sort of navigating that. And then medical school itself was um, challenging academically. And once I had decided that I wanted to go into dermatology, I knew I had to do a little bit of extra work to get there because it was so competitive at the time. You went to Tufts Medical School. Yes. Yeah. When you were there in a typical class, what would be the ratio of men to women? I think there were quite a few women, and it was close to 50-50 when I was in medical school at Tufts. Why dermatology? What led you to this specialty? She's making a face. I wish we had a video. <laughs> I just found it so interesting. Little exposures that I had had along the way in dermatology or with skin and skin diseases. I also found it not only were you treating patients medically, but also there were procedures involved and there was the cosmetic aspect and the artistic aspect. So I, I felt like dermatology gave me everything that I was looking for. Our childhood, our early years really do define us in so many ways. Can you share a little bit about your family, where you're from, a little bit about growing up? I grew up in Michigan a small town about an hour or so north of Detroit. And I was the oldest of three girls. You know, I think I had a, a modest background, blue-collar community, hardworking. My dad had a automotive shop that sort of, you know, evolved, but 
I think I spent a lot of time working there as a kid and as a teenager. Can you change your own oil? Um, I could at one point. I don't know if I can now. (laughs) The things you did not know about Dr. Melissa on our show today. What was life like in your house? I think we were always busy. There was always a lot of stuff to do. We lived more in like the rural part of town as we were always outside. We always had like things to ride and, you know, four wheelers and things. We always kept busy and just helping out around the house. What values did your parents, your family instill in you growing up? One of the biggest things that was instilled was the importance of education, getting an education, going as far as you could with that. My parents didn't go to college. My grandparents didn't either. So I was the first to even go to college, but they always stressed it. So that was always a goal and and a given that we were going to go to college. Did you have a role model when you were growing up? Maybe it was a teacher or a family member? Mm -hmm. At different points in my life, I I think I have had different role models and sort of helping me through whatever I was going through at the time. And, you know, when I was young, I had a woman that worked with my dad that was close with our family, but uh, she was a very strong woman. She ran the office and Uh worked in a shop with only men, so she could really hold her own. And I think that that really went far. What did you learn from her by watching that? How to stick up for myself and also not to take anything from other people. When you went off to college, you went from Michigan (laughs) all the way to WPI in Worcester, Massachusetts. That's a long way from home for a girl at that time in her life. Yeah. Brave. Yeah, it was my choice of school, you know, was partially dictated by what I thought I wanted to major in. And I knew I didn't want to go to a large school. I had only gone to, you know, small schools growing up. And so the idea of going to like a big state school didn't appeal to me. So I found this school, like I found WPI and my dad and I visited the campus and it was such a beautiful campus. And I just, it felt good. And so then, then. Yeah, I did. I did a mean thing to my daughter because when she was about 16 or so, she wanted to go to a California state school and we loved to vacation in California. So while we were flying from Boston to Los Angeles, I waited until five hours into the flight when we were crossing the Rocky Mountains. And I turned to her and I said, so if you go to school in California, you can only come home one time. And she was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I nipped that one in the bud. But your parents let you go. Was that scary to leave that nucleus, that warm environment there in Michigan and go so far from home? It was. It was intimidating. But I wanted to experience something new. I had not been to the East Coast before. And, you know, I was just ready for the next step. And you're still here. So it all worked out. It all worked out. You know, you had mentioned earlier that you're the first person in your family to graduate from college and the first person to be a medical doctor. Tell me what it was like when you graduated from medical school, not just for you, but for your folks. It was really very exciting that I felt like I finally did it. I got there, what I had set out to do. And, you know, my family was there at my graduation, and I'm sure they were so proud and really excited for me. Are you a mom? And if you are, how did motherhood change you? Big smile on your face. Yeah, I have four beautiful kids, and they're so fun. And I learned so much about myself being a mom 
I learned that, you know, pretty much I can handle anything. <laughs> I had my first child actually in medical school, my second one in my intern year in residency, third in Durham residency, and it, only the last one was after uh, residency. So, so you're a true multitasker. Yeah, you have to be. <laughs> wow. How do you do that? That sounds so hard. And yet here you are and you look like you've handled it all so well. <laughs> During that time when there were tough times for you, how did you get through that? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I just kept going. I think the biggest thing is just persistence. And it never feels like it at the time, but you know that there is going to be an end to what you're going through. So I think keeping that in mind and just pushing through. We all need someone who sees our abilities, Melissa, somebody who believes in us. Do you have someone like that in your life? I do. My husband, I think he's my best friend, my biggest supporter. He's always there with me. Did you have a mentor along the way? I've had a few. Whether it was when I was in medical school and thinking about dermatology and getting tied in and doing some research there and, you know, working with the people there. In residency, seeing the female attending dermatologists that I work with and who are also moms. And so I think any woman in, in medicine, I look up to. It's so powerful seeing another woman doing what you want to be doing, watching her actions, hearing her words. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? It does. It's, you know, it's, it's inspiring and, you know, you can see that, it, you know, it gives you hope. You can, you can get there. You can do it. If she can do it, I can do it, yeah. right? As a dermatologist who specializes in giving patients a refresh, how do you define beauty? That's a really tough question. We're taught the ideals in school and in training, whether it's the symmetry and the right proportions. But I think that that varies. I mean, I think it's really what the individual thinks is beautiful. There's always society kind of influencing that, but really individualizing it and assessing each patient and finding how to improve features they already have. Next three questions we ask everyone who sits where you are. So the first one is, when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? First, I tend to break things down into smaller pieces, especially if it seems a little overwhelming at first, and try to, you know, navigate a solution. And then if that doesn't work, just brute force pushing through. Get out the bulldozer. Yeah. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners today? Yeah. One thing that I hear in my head over and over was something that my dad said to us kids growing up is where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies to so many things and has carried me so far. Final question for you. I do believe that we live our lives in chapters. Right now in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you? Success, I think, is mostly about being happy at home with my family, but also happy with the career that I chose. I think that if you enjoy what you do, then it's not work. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest today on the story behind her success. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Dr. Melissa Michaelon of the Boston Center for Facial Rejuvenation. Find out more about this practice on their website, bcffr.com. That's bcffr.com. And thank you so much for listening today. 
I'm always on the lookout for the next person to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, just reach out and nominate her today. Go to CandyOterry.com. That's Candy with a Y. O-T-E-R-R-Y. I'll have another inspiring guest for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.